Welcome to Studio Z, a podcast of empowerment. I'm your host, Melissa Marvel. Our guest, Gordon Holmes, is not new to Studio Z. Gordon joined us earlier and shared his story, how both his professional and his personal life aligned. Gordon, welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Pleased to be here. Yes. Gordon is a certified professional financial planner. Uh, emphasizing in special care planning. Gordon is with West Point Financial, and he has locations in Louisville, Kentucky, and Indianapolis, Indiana. So Gordon, without further ado, uh, welcome again, and uh, let's get started. I believe, to, okay. I believe today we're going to be talking about government benefits. So I'll just jump right in and let you start telling us about what is special care? Special care is a division of Mass Mutual, the uh, insurance company and financial firm, where advisors like myself um, commit um, a part of our practice to assisting the special needs fa uh, families in our communities with the legal, financial, and government benefit issues. So there are several hundred of us across the country, and um, it just so happens that my focus is primarily Kentucky and Indiana. Very well. So let's just go ahead and jump right into actual government benefits, because uh, I know that's going to be the question from the families, and then we'll um, circle back on how you know we can help. Um, SSI, SSDI. Uh, what kind of government uh, plans are available and how does that work? So um, SSI and SSDI are administered through the Social Security Administration. SSI stands for Supplemental Security Income, and it represents a monthly stipend to assist with uh, living expenses, primarily food and shelter, uh, for an individual uh, with special needs um, from birth to age 18 if the uh, family meets the financial criteria and then starting at age 18 based on the uh, individual consumers uh, financial uh, situation also SSI can be helpful to people um, in their late years if they have for whatever reason not been able to uh, be employed and accumulate Social Security retirement uh, benefits. So that's SSI. Um, the other Social Security benefit that you mentioned is SSDI for Social Security Disability Insurance. And this represents um, income to uh, from Social Security to assist with living expenses to replace uh, what would be earned income um, that a person's not receiving as a result of their disability. Um, SSDI benefits most often are uh, delivered to an individual based on their own disability from their own wage record. Um, but Social Security disability benefits can also be received as a result of um, a, an event that occurs on uh, a parent's part. So if a parent of a child with special needs uh, adult or young, either way. Um, if the parent has a, an event such as disability, death, or retirement, uh, any of those three triggering events then uh, can create 
um, a, a Social Security uh, disability benefit uh, for the son or daughter with, with special needs. So, uh, and sometimes uh, an individual can actually receive some of both. That is, receive some of SSI, the Supplemental Security Income component, and Social Security disability. So they work separately or, in some cases, in tandem. We call that dual eligible. Understood. Um, is there any particular main difference that you'd like to point out between the two? It sounds like, you know, one is age in particular of the individual that is utilizing the, the, the funds. Uh, but is there anything else that's key or essential to knowing Sure. Um, SSI is a means-tested benefit. Therefore, there is a financial qualification component to SSI, whereas with SSDI, one is receiving the benefit because of uh, Social Security taxes collected from they themselves or uh, a parent. And so um, it does not have the, uh, the same financial constraints for eligibility that SSDI does. With SSDI, typically the recipient has to stay under $2,000 in resources, and that's not the case to receive SSDI. So one of the questions that a lot of uh, individuals and families have uh, when they come to our organization and seek vocational opportunities for uh, themselves or their family member, they, they often have the question of what are the limitations due to the SSI? means test. So my question to you is, is an individual able to work um, and and able to continue to receive SSI or SSDI? All right. Great question, Melissa. Thank you. Um, and the answer is, in many cases, yes. Now, depending upon their age, while still in school up till age 22, uh, they may qualify for an earned income student exemption, and uh, that enables uh, an individual to uh, have employment um, without uh, it adversely uh, affecting their SSI payment. So, again, we call that a student earned income exemption. Um, and so prior to age 22, uh, it's possible to receive SSI and for that benefit to not be reduced as a result of earned income. Um, beyond age 22, um, typically after the first $85 of income, one's SSI benefit is reduced a dollar for each $2 of income earned. Wow. With a maximum Social Security benefit of almost 800 per month, um, part-time employment can fit in very nicely while still earning uh, or uh, uh, one can earn a part-time uh, part-time um, part income in essence and still receive be receiving uh, an SSI benefit. So if one is working and receiving a thousand a month in earned income as an example, mm -hmm. then the first $85 is forgiven that leaves 915 and with a, a two dollar for one reduction that would reduce their SSI benefit by about 450 leaving 300 almost $350 in SSI benefits. So um, $315 plus the $1,000 they are earning, that's $1,315 a month. So, um, so yes, um, SSI benefits, while can be impacted by employment, 
one can still have um, a good part-time um, income situation and draw a meaningful and helpful uh, SSI benefit. At the same time, um, they, while working, can maintain their Medicaid eligibility as well as their Medicaid waiver services. So again, on a part-time basis, um, they can receive earned income, they can receive a reduced SSI benefit, and they can do that while still maintaining their disability Medicaid for healthcare and uh, their um, waiver services such as the Michelle P or home and community-based waiver uh, services or in some cases the SCL. So it is possible to have all of those benefits simultaneously. Um, one wants to I'm sorry, keep I did in not, mind. Go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. Gordon. I did, not, I did not mean to interrupt. <laughs> sure. One wants to keep in mind the uh, substantial gainful activity limit, though, and um, when that part-time employment starts generating income in excess of $1,310 per month, um, then um, maintaining eligibility for all of these benefits becomes a little more complicated. So, um, again, a, a gross monthly income figure to keep in mind, $1,310. Social Security considers that the substantial gainful activity limit, and if one stays under that, um, usually uh, these collection of benefits can be uh, can be maintained. That's excellent information. Uh, my question surrounding the uh, assessment of the income: Do you assist families with uh, assessing the the their income and and whether or not they're going to have any issues with the caps or the income means test? Or do you uh, recommend that they see outside counselors that actually do consult regarding that SSI, SS, SSDI calculation? Well, I think um, the main point here is that help with this stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is complicated, and um, it's, I think, always better to to know the rules and the guidelines and um, plan accordingly than to, so to speak, find out after the fact um, what rules were broken or limits were exceeded uh, the hard way by by the potential loss of very valuable government benefits. So I think seeking seeking uh, assistance, um, uh, even when um, a young person is in their teen years, uh, to prepare for uh, eventually employment and exiting their secondary education experience is, is really good. I do consult with families uh, all the time uh, and I'm pleased to do so. Um, Sometimes when Social Security is uh, not uh, approving a claim, not very cooperative, then we do uh, make a referral to an attorney uh, or attorneys that assist with Social Security appeals. So not unusual at all for someone to initially be uh, uh, declined for their application for Social Security benefits and uh, to need to appeal. And at that point, um, getting special help is is a really good thing. And there are attorneys that specialize in that because sometimes it takes months or even longer to to eventually uh, win out. But the fight is worth it because these benefits are worth tens if not hundreds 
of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of our special needs person. And that's really good for individuals and families to know that even though you may uh, submit and be declined, don't give up. Um, just, you know, follow the appeal process and continue to just con- provide the information and the dialogue in hopes that all will work out and the benefits would be received. You had mentioned um, that there are other programs that families should be aware of, and I'm going to guess that that's pertaining to more information towards the Michelle P. Waiver and the SEL Supported Community Living uh, type of, of supports. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to expand on there? Sure. Um, the... SEL, the uh, Home and Community Based, Michelle Key, these are waivers that were born out of the societal shift some decades ago to uh, keep our um, uh, family members with special needs in the home and community as opposed to seeking institutional care. And so these are services in the community, sometimes brought to the home or going out into the community to receive them. Um, some of these waivers involve a wait. Um, others are more readily available. And it depends upon the diagnosis and the nature of the special needs as to which waiver may be the best fit for uh, any particular consumer. Sometimes um, people uh, think that waivers are uh, just for young people and as they get older, they lose their waiver, but uh, there are many adults uh, still receiving waiver services, uh, it's just usually beneficial to engage as early as possible in the process of, uh, of pursuing these kinds of benefits. With a waiver comes uh, disability Medicaid, and Medicaid, of course, is essential for health care. Now, Medicaid can also come with SSI, uh, but um, there are a number of types of Medicaid, and most feel that the Medicaid that comes with a waiver uh, as you mentioned, such as the Michelle P., et cetera, uh, is the best type of Medicaid to have. And if one is going to look at potential employment, then um, disability Medicaid is more forgiving um, in terms of the overall income picture. So these waivers are essential both for services, for the health care that comes with the Medicaid that comes with them, um, and then also um, in order to uh, allow uh, an individual to spread their wings or uh, consider um, employment, uh, part-time employment, that type of thing. In addition to that, there, in a, um, there is Medicare uh, that comes along with SSDI. So for most, getting Medicare um, is as a result of qualifying for Social Security, disability, insurance, or income. And again, they may qualify for that as a result of drawing off of a parent's record, but we're finding an increasing number of consumers that are drawing or are eligible to draw Social Security disability off of their part-time wage base. So at younger years, it may only take several years of employment to actually be eligible to draw Social Security disability off of your own wage record. And um, you don't have to earn that much. Part-time is enough, uh, roughly $6,000 per year. 500 a month is enough to be racking up quarters for Social Security coverage, and one can actually draw Social Security disability off of themselves while they continue to work. So that's another um, uh, um, 
misinformation that's out there. That is, that if you uh, pursue an application for Social Security disability, that by having to prove that you're disabled, then that would prevent you from working, but not at all. Uh, one can actually maintain employment while drawing Social Security disability benefits, have Medicare to assist with health care, while still maintaining Medicaid and Medicaid waiver services. So I had someone, in fact, in my office uh, there in Louisville just yesterday, and a significant concern was that uh, their child was going to become eligible, eligible for Medicare, uh, drawing off of the, this parent's record that I was meeting with. And their concern was is that once they became eligible for Medicare, that they would therefore forfeit their Medicaid. And so I know that that misunderstanding is out there. Mm -hmm. And so please understand that one can maintain their Medicaid and their waiver services while also picking up Medicare. Well, it is certainly a very complicated, you know, amount of information for individuals to take in. So having someone like yourself to assist and make that very clear is uh, very valuable to the families and the individuals. So I thank you for the clarity on that. The one thing I, uh, I also wanted to ask you, in, in Kentucky, it seems that we, our waivers, the Michelle P. and SCL in particular, they have a wait list. So most often, we, being Zoom group, we, we encourage families to apply for that type of waiver very, very early on. What is your experience in that field, in that area for families? Right. I think that's great advice. Um, and so uh, early on would mean, you know, while kids are still at home and still going to school. And um, you bring up a, a, an excellent point, not only um, how it is beneficial to engage early, but also uh, many parents who are able to pay their bills and keep their heads above water financially assume that there is no help for their child. That is, they don't qualify because of their financial situation. Um, but that's part of the Medicaid waiver program, and that is regardless of the parent's assets or income, um, a child um, from the youngest age uh, can potentially be eligible for uh, a Medicaid waiver or waiver services or at a minimum, as you observe, like with the Michelle P with um, a multi-year wait, um, getting them on the waiting list early so that uh, by the time they're perhaps in their teen years, they become targeted is so very helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think the, uh, the best message is, is to um, engage and embrace early. And even if, even if there is a wait, let the years count for you instead of against you by getting them on the waiting list as young as possible. Well, I want to thank you, Gordon, for um, your information with respect to the governmental benefits that are out there for our families. Uh, we are going to continue with another uh, continuation of this series in the podcast. And up next, we are going to be speaking with Gordon about guardianship and the ABLE Act. So listeners, should you have any questions for Gordon, please reach out to gholmes at financialguide.com uh, with any questions. So thanks again for your time, Gordon, and I'll see you shortly. But everybody, uh, take care and we'll see you next time on Studio Z. Thank you. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. To see upcoming guests, check us out at studioz.space.